when you talk about Zen Buddhism and Zen philosophy, it's it's about acceptance. It's about detachment from ideas of permanence. It's about accepting the the dynamic world and 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 expressing gratefulness. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Zen the Rapper. Zen, welcome to the show. Yo, yo. Today, we're going to be listening to his song, According to Legend. And so, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Approaching the cliff like mountain top, spoke to the kid. I'm out the box on this one way to heaven. My shout should box for a loan from the Reverend in Babylon. You gotta roam to the west, so I'm down like Rome. I just know it's for better. Hey, I said, I caught a comet, a commotion in the island with the ocean. If I had to write the Bible, it's like fourth or fifth. I came back like the Phoenix did. I'm over with Smith. I'm so cajoling with my pen. Approaching the cliff like mountaintops Spoke to the kid, I'm out the box On this one way to heaven I shall survive for a loan from the reverend in Babylon You gotta roam to the west So I'm down like Rome I just know it's for better I make the clouds my home And I'm low like the weather If you need me, look up We finna take this shit We finna, we finna take this shit higher I said, if you need me, look up I might fly by you We finna the train a locomotive and they asked me to swim the part of fame a potent potion had to pass on that shit like catching vapors from a battery hit i'm mashing acres rolling woods then i'm ball with the spirits too fast jamaica and i'm tall at dimensions i got my own way to get it i'm the on the poem singing mystic i saw they code name specifics the long days he wrote page of vision them home plays like home play collision you know i don't play i won't Welcome back. So my first and favorite question to always ask is what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? The music. Definitely the music on this one. It, it, it's usually the, the, the music. 
for me. It's a beat called Tomorrow Hyphen One. I, I met Mousepad in Half House when I first moved back here to Champaign at an early, it was either a Cypher Saturday or it might've been an open mic they were doing at that time. And I met him and I, we exchanged information and he was saying he's got the studio. At this time I had just moved back and I was like, okay, bet I need a studio. So I reached out to record. He was looking for people with my style, with like my, my boom bap kind of style. He, Cause most people, you know, they, they, like the trap thing is kind of popular. Like the Uzi, Cardi sound is kind of popular. And I do more of like a soulful, like an old school boom bap, slow yeah. pace. And he was looking for somebody with that pace. So we started, we started working. He gave me a, a little small pack of beats. And that was the first one that when I heard it, I was just like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, for a sound. Yeah. I, I felt it uh, immediately. Like I said, it's tomorrow hyphen one. I still remember. I don't know if I've ever asked this, but what do you look for in a beat generally? Do you generally have like an idea in your mind kind of swirling around and then a beat kind of meets up with that? Or is it more of like the beat inspires the lyrics? You know, uh, I, I, it's more the beat inspires the lyrics. When I approach a beat, I try to come to like a, a quietness, a calmness in my mind. And then... I really try to tap into what the beat is is doing. Lately, I'm looking for like a swinginess. I've been looking for like a, like funk elements. Sure. So because I know that like I'm I'm starting to learn my strengths more as an artist with with my cadence and my delivery. I don't rap necessarily in bars like on the beat. I rap like around the beat and like a, a swingy kind of pattern. So anything that brings that out. Lately, I'm looking for like uplifting, positive sounds trying to bring more of like of a uh an intentional vibe to the music because yeah. i used to do like like really introspective reflective and sometimes that can go to like a sad maybe like emo kind of place but now I'm, I'm more so looking for if it's introspective reflective more like a powerful kind of sound yeah like that, that trumpet in this beat oh yeah definitely spoke to me more of the the jazz trumpet with a I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm always keen on beats that have that soulful, like, I almost could imagine this sound in, like, a, a smoky jazz club, that kind yeah. of... Yeah, I hear what you're saying, though, that, you know, that's something to it, that, yeah. that funk. Because it has that jazz style, there is that, can I say, out of the pocket that yep. happens? So, yeah. and I mean, I think that's what you were saying, like, it, lyrically. It allows but, for that, too. But, like, you're, like, even though you have that steady boom-bap kind of groove... There's also, I was noticing that the way that this beat breaks out is that the accents are in this kind of, uh, the 4-4 the four four is separated into, you know, if you look at it as as a s eight beats, it's like there's a one two three one two three one two in it. And that's, it, it has that, I don't know, it's one thing that kind of caught my attention and then you kind of singing a little bit around and, and bouncing in and out of the pocket was, it's just, I don't know. It kind of pulls you in. And so I, I don't know. I just, no. Yeah. Cause I, I just like that. I want to have that urge to play with the beat. Cause I, I get bored sometimes being on beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to beat that. That gives me that. Like it's, it's not like, not, not like an experimental sound necessarily, but like that, that jazziness, that openness where it's, there's not a prescripted sound that goes on it kind of thing. You found this beat, mm -hmm. Tomorrow-One, mm -hmm. did you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, when did the words start forming? And then, now here's the other, what came first. Do you have a concept of where you want it to go? Does it start off as a freestyle or does it start off as like pen to paper and then, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how does How does that form? Yeah, so I I try to keep it real stream of consciousness when I do it. So I get the beat and I, I get a vibe. I sort of get ideas for imagery that can be invoked or like feelings that the beat gives without me putting words on top of it. And after I get that, then it's like I go through and I think about what I've been reading, what I've been studying, what I've been experiencing, the things I've been thinking on, dwelling on a little bit. I really start to write a poem in my head. A lot of my songs start with just like a four syllable word or like a, I caught, I caught a comet of commotion with the alliteration. Once I get like a good, I caught a comet of commotion, ate the island with the ocean. I'm starting to like connect these ideas in a real loose way that I've been thinking about. I kind of go through a few of them. I know it's a good one. I, I get it. I always get a chuckle. 
when I when I get a good bass, when I get a uh, good lyric, is when it, it brings me to like, <laughs> like where where it's like okay, I'm I'm really saying something kind of interesting here, or like I'm really saying I try to say things in an ambitious way where you might say it's meaningless, but that's just because it has so much meaning mm. to it or such a specific kind of meaning. It's just packed with almost too much meaning yeah it, right like yeah exactly multi-interpretations it, which it's almost like what is he even talking about that. and 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 that's that's what makes me laugh where it's like <laughs> was that the first line the comet of commotion i mean um, yeah i caught a comet of commotion you started off with that as as a lead-in to the rest of the lyrics or I, yeah, I, yeah yeah and, and i caught a comet of commotion what that refers to it, it refers to like a little bit of my youtube shorts on ancient apocalyptic history and some conspiracy but then also you know i read and i study very seriously about history and ancient history ancient cosmic religions and things like that when i say i caught a comet of commotion it's supposed to invoke imagery of uh, a comet i don't know if people have seen ancient apocalypse by graham hancock on netflix there's this theory that's pseudo-historic or pseudo-scientific, but it's becoming less so. There's more evidence gathering for it that 10,000, 12,000 years ago, a comet struck Earth or a series of comets struck Earth and it set off a bunch of mega floods that reset society, reset our ideas of science and technology. Huh. So they're saying like there was like a civilization somewhat in the way that was, we imagine it now, maybe in a different flavor before sure. that time that's been lost. And so that there was a process of, of of recovery that led to our ideas of of history. So that it's this sort of kind of out there idea. Yeah. No, I was like, well, that seems an awful lot like the Noah's Ark, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. It, yeah. it relates to that because I, I grew up in a strong Christian Protestant Baptist household. So I went to church two, three times a week. I got a lot of that. As I've grown up, I'm more I identify more as like a spiritual and religious seeker. I like to think of myself as pretty broad and and open in terms of like spirituality in general is like your own understanding of what the divine is or it is how you relate to the rest of the world on a way that is beyond just physical sociological it's this psychological connection or even exactly spiritual connection to things to people to a higher power if if you will so I don't know. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, no, we, we <laughs> have get a, excited about <laughs> we have a tendency to like reach for transcendence, to think about these things, try to understand, you know, we can see the stars somewhat. We can see the mm-hmm. planets and we have a tendency to, to wonder and not be satisfied with seeing. Now we want to go up there. We want to visit, you know, we want to see where we came from, why, why we're here, why. Mm-hmm. And we have a tendency to look for that even within the everyday. And that starts to get into like Zen philosophy, specifically the everyday spirituality that I got a song called, I don't want to get too off topic because I want to no, come back to fine. that first Please. line. I got a song called Washing Dishes. And it's the idea of doing those tasks that you need to do to get what needs to get done and almost romanticizing the everyday tasks, but just seeing the beauty in life and being able to do a task, being able to improve with the task, being able to take care of yourself to set a goal and work towards it. Some of those repetitive tasks are a perfect time to like, I want to say switch off your mind, but be able to just kind of let everything drift away and then whatever kind of creeps back in, you can kind of think about. Real meditative experience. Yeah. With that stuff, yeah, in different ways, you know, because meditation isn't always just emptying your mind that's the way it's talked about a lot or shutting off your thoughts meditation as it's taught you know by the ancient masters and and over time it has different forms right and it's thinking about specific things it's it's the mantra just kind of opening up and allowing what, what whatever happens with your mind to happen and observing maybe just to tie back just to finish what i was saying on i caught a comet of commotion so when i say i caught a comet of commotion that doesn't really one-to-one make you think of an a comment that was that caused an ancient apocalypse and reset of society but the i and i caught a comment of commotion is sort of like an identification with like the soul of the world with this timeless spirit that sees cyclical history that stands outside of it while experiencing it that i caught a comet of commotion so it's the idea that this comet hit earth earth survived earth kept going it caught the comet Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's talking about me catching a comet with the way that I study and the thing, and even with the conspiracy theory, comet of commotion, these uh, ideas that may be dangerous, mm-hmm. right, or right. or controversial. But ultimately, I'm trying to invoke an essence of cyclical 
history and understanding of like mm. timelessness that what happened yesterday is happening today and is happening tomorrow kind of thing and even the nature of generally if they're not striking the earth comets are one of those definite cyclical things that come around mm-hmm. in far beyond our own existence our, our lifetime should i say yeah, and these our, huge our, cycles yeah our corporeal lifetime that is yeah i'm curious let's let's actually dive into some of the words because we talked about i caught the comet of commotion ate the island with, uh, by the way i do ruin lyrics so just I'll get, I'll just get. be uh, yeah. just watch me just ate the island with the ocean if i had to rate the bible it's like fourth or fifth i come back like the phoenix did I'm over what's missed. I'm so cajoling with my pen. My tongue is not good at this at all. But I'm just curious. It has this very pointed sense and then it wanders a little bit in terms of your theme. Like what was going through your, your mind as you're writing that or what what were you thinking about? I hope to find out one day what I was because I, I really do try to rely on that. And, and I've, I've looked into it, the uh, stream of consciousness, free prose avant-garde style of poetry sure. of just kind of allowing your mind to make these connections and trusting the connections and, and and just keep keep going so it's a way that i connect with my experiences on earth and you know my memories and stuff and then my i connect with my studies i try to do it in a way that's entertaining that people can follow somewhat and yeah. it feels free feels lyrically like i'm frolicking a little bit okay and, and things kind of follow how long ago was this song written this was like the first studio session i had with miles so we, we that date is somewhere written down you know but okay it, it, it was either the end of this past year or the beginning of this year okay my only reason for asking that is i i was thinking like is this you know a, a year is this like three years is this five years one of the things that i've at least noticed even within myself, if there's something that I've written that is either auto writing or something that is, you know, that that's spilling out like mm-hmm. without restraining yourself or filtering yourself is that being able to look back on what was written, you know, within a timeline, you end up learning. It allows it to change that definition yeah. to you, what it means. And I was just curious, like, even though it's been a year, do you find that this, you get a chance to reinterpret what's what's coming through and like how how that in your own mind has changed? Yeah, no, and definitely. The music I've written before, I always feel good when I go back and listen to it and it's sort of evolved its meanings or I've sort of like subconsciously manifested some of the like ethics or principles i was representing with with this song when i go back and listen to it now right now in my life and in my career i'm sort of shifting towards a focus to scholarship because i've been out of school since 2019 four or five years during that time I, i spent a lot of time reading books i was zen before i was zen the rapper it wasn't that much of a difference but i named myself zen as a a conversation with myself a a commitment to defining my own spirituality and and searching and studying i was always growing up a good student in school known to be smart or intelligent so this and i had sort of some um traumatic experiences right before i began rapping and this was my way of saying this is how i resolve my to risk sounding arrogant my, my torturous genius right with sure. a way i can be productive and useful to the world in a way i can still satisfy my own you know desires for expression right and it, it was all that coming together you know it's interesting to think about you know your own sorry i i feel like this is just completely deviating from the song and more of like i'm just fascinated by your philosophy in terms of how your writing overall and the way that uh, the way that this <laughs> but that's okay and a lot and my music is meant ultimately you know while well, i say in its pinnacle form to be like a jump off point for thought it's supposed to inspire you to think in different ways and stretch your mind in kind of different ways so i can engage with these deeper ideas that's what i want to do you know what i yeah. mean ultimately yeah. since we mentioned you know that first first part of the opening lines mm-hmm. if i had to rate the bible it's like fourth or fifth yeah this side question that i wanted to ask uh, and maybe that's not i i mean i it doesn't i don't mean it in, in like to be a funny way but i just yeah. wanted to know is like um what would be your first or second yeah 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 <laughs> um so it, i 
I, I thought about this because when I was gonna when I was releasing the song, I was in a bookstore two days before, and I was looking at these religious and spiritual books, and I was gonna make a post with five books and then the Bible, right? Four uh-huh. books and then the Bible. I don't have a definite list. It was. It's more that lyric is more uh, to get at the spirit of like a scholarly, like braggadocia, like. If I sure. had to, if I had to read the Bible, it's mm, it's like fourth or fifth, <laughs> and it, it just to like kind of indicate that like you know I'm I'm sort of versed with these sacred scriptures with the the Bhagavad Gita, good uh, Vedanta text. The Sunyavada is one I'm I'm trying to get into. The doctrine of the void or the great emptiness, a Buddhist text. I just really like that level of engagement with the world and with inner spirituality and ideas of transcendence. And it's just to indicate, yeah, this is like my world of things. And and so when somebody says like growing up, like the Bible is the greatest book, the number one book. If if you have that opinion, you can have that opinion. I'm not, it's not like a combative thing. It's just more like a playful assurance of like my own path. Like, okay, I understand that. But I also understand how the Bible was influenced by, you know, Roman pagan beliefs and by decades and centuries of ritualistic practice and spiritual, you know, expression. And going back to the idea of the comment, how the world has been around for a long time and there could be four or five more exact Bibles in in the deep, ancient, remote, lost, hidden past, right? It's sort of that entertaining those ideas. Going to that that line of the might shout Shabbat mm-hmm. for alone uh, from the reverend in Babylon, you got to roam to the West. So I'm down like Rome. Where did that section of lines come from? I mean, and, and maybe I'm grouping them in different ways than maybe you would group them, but no, those, no, those seem to, yeah, those go together. There was a book I read called the cave and the light, which traces the Western intellectual tradition from Aristotle and Plato up through the scientific revolution up through today it claims that we have this very strong legacy that can be traced all the way back to these ideas aristotle the father of science right kind of thing so when i'm talking about rome and and, in babylon what was the first line in that series shoot i almost want to add that i'm out out the box on this way one way to heaven i'm out the box on this one way to heaven so okay okay yeah from there that's a good place to start i'm out the box on this one way to heaven it's sort of those lines speak to like a savviness within the material world through my understanding of the spiritual world and of my understanding of history. Mm-hmm. When I say I'm down like Rome, that speaks to my understanding that like, you know, any great growth, any great change comes with the period of, of decline. And, and we see that repeated through history. Uh, you got a Rome to the West talks about like the different legacies of occupation of Jews under Rome, of, of Christians under Rome, when they were persecuted in different ways, where they had to suppress their the religion uh, to the state. I got a Rome to the West. My my kind of feelings of like disconnection with Western traditions and Western ideas uh, in light of my own experience in African-American history and, and, and global colonial histories and things like that. I just know it's for better, just my, my ultimate faith and like better things and, and, and progress and all these challenges that are for me are for me. Having that mm. kind of mindset of the world, you know, at, at the school, it's, they call it a growth mindset, a problem solving mindset. So okay. it's being able to assess my situation with a certain savviness and still make claims that I'll have material abundance as well. I like to say a lot, as you got to see with with yeah. the lyrics, kind of mention different things, and it's supposed to come together as you listen to like multiple songs. You know what I mean? So I, I'm just kind of throwing throwing out these different different parts, yeah. um, just because I I literally think we could spend hours on this if we really wanted and, to. And thank you, because so, I know I'm long winded, so this will be good. Just um, me, you know, I feel like maybe just me throwing out a few of my my interpretation at least what what i'm reading I'm in it and then kind of just see what your take on it is yeah um this is into that i want to say you have you have a repeating section of the i caught the comet of commotion yeah. and, and and it almost serves as like a a hook but this is this is really it does feel like a stream of consciousness so it's that kind of touch point i want to say you come back to yeah but i want to say the first verse maybe the put your nose in the nexus yeah. it starts with i love this line of uh so they could never expect it they dug me up and found rosetta collections Gra- grave diggers found 
the devil's possessions. No, I'm stretching my blessings. There's something that kind of hits me with dig you up and finding Rosetta collections is you had talked earlier about how you like using words that have multiple meanings. And I think that, you know, within the idea of the Rosetta stone, mm-hmm. the way that they were able to translate and figure what the other languages were saying was because it was the same story just told with different words. Yep. That's how I was thinking of. And also just the whole that they dig you up as if you've been buried or hidden away you know, to be found some other time, perhaps in much the same way as like when we create something, we never know our full impact. And then it's always like the fame or even the understanding of something always seems to land after a person dies and is gone and or dead and buried. So I was thinking about that little, it's kind of like this weird capsule that you created with just those few lines. Like it, it, um, I, I, but I was curious what you were, what your, what, what you were thinking about in terms of that section. I've used it before in some lyrics, and I'll probably use it again in some lyrics. The, the metaphor of like uh, of Shakespeare, the the, the, the bard, who, the, the poor yeah. man during his life, and now he's he's studied and revered around the world, right? Um, right. Sort of, sort of greatness that's discovered or revealed later or understood later. Yeah. And and sort of ha- having a peace with that, like if if that is my my route like uh, a lot of things when you talk about zen buddhism and zen philosophy it's it's about acceptance it's about detachment from ideas of permanence it's about accepting the the dynamic world and 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 expressing gratefulness and a lot of times it gets misinterpreted as like a defeatist kind of philosophy Hmm. but that's just because there's a tension between eastern philosophies and western philosophies because they have different grounds different linguistic metaphysical grounds of understanding different foundations by which they craft their theories and and things so it's it's less of a defeatist philosophy and more of a a philosophy of wisdom of, of, of understanding with those lines in particular the line that I always like, because this is another reason why I like, uh, if I had to rate the Bible, it's like fourth to fifth. They dug me up and found Rosetta collections. Grave diggers found the devil's possessions. I like that line because I feel like the type of lyricist I am, the type of rapper I am, the more like traditionally religious people who listen, they kind of have that half of an ear out for like the satanic references, you know what I mean? For the right. for the, the, the evil, occult kind of vibe. And, and when I say grave diggers found the devil's possession the way that works and in, in the way that makes me laugh <laughs> is like grave diggers are people who are looking for serious or negative things they're digging for grave things they're putting their mind their focus on finding negativity so they found the devil's possessions but you know people who were looking for greatness who were had their mind open they found something in the dirt because these orthodox right. traditional ideas might have you think this thing, this this tablet that was found in the dirt, maybe maybe the devil's possession may come from Sheol, may come from hell, right? But uh, right. that's based on their perspective. It's a, a, a recovery to myself of, of of the validity and like, you know, the ultimate, you know, in my mind, holiness, righteousness of, of what I'm doing. Like people will misinterpret it. I have to be okay with that. I can't worry yeah. about the results, you know, I got to stay diligently focused on the process, hmm. even though I'm aware of possible results. I'm so cajoling with my pen, approaching the cliff like mountaintops spoke to the kid. I'm out the box and that leads into the, on this one way to heaven. And then the might shout Shabak for a loan from the reverend. I wanted to add the the line of the, I'm over what's missed. Yeah. I'm so controlling with my pen. I'm over with some is. I, I feel like maybe interpretations will definitely be different on the I'm over what's missed because in my mind, I'm just like, oh, I'm so over about, I think about, you know, FOMO is such a big thing, yeah. fear of missing out. But I'm yeah. just like, oh, I'm so over about worrying about miss missing something because i'm just like i need to let myself actually be okay with just not having to be involved in everything and so i to me sorry that that i forgot about that line when i started reading the other one and i'm just like oh i love that i just love that line because 
I'm oh, I'm over. I'm over. Yeah, that. it's it's sort of like like a lot of what what, what I try to do is like a, an anti-anxiety, not prescription, uh-huh. not pill, but like you know, it's like a part of the modern mood, anxiety and depression. So I'm over. I came back like the Phoenix did. The Phoenix right. is the idea of like resurrected from the ashes. So this is like the cyclical world. I came back and it's this idea of me having this information in my head and still, you know, still being able to live in the present moment. I'm over with Smith. I'm not worried about like having even that anxiety about the past. Like, okay, wh- what really happened? What was the real story? What was the real truth? And mm. it's like things happen. We're here now. Uh, we can still study it without being, you know, overly obsessive. Right. It even unlocked a little bit more of the like what you're referring to it in terms of what was missed is like history in general because all we have is we can only look back on evidence or writings or things that other people before us have left yeah yeah we have we have a collective memory which is you know even our own memory isn't really accurate for our our lifetime you know what i mean so that's all we we really have there's this idea that there's no such thing it's kind of like aggressive language right there's no such thing as the past there's no such thing as the future all we have is the present right like i said it's a, a bit of a harsh way to say it maybe but it's it's an interesting idea that all we really have is the manuscripts what they remember to write what lasted through the changes of soil and you know buildings or whatever the i'm so cajoling with my pen approaching the cliff like mountaintop spoke to the kid that's like the moses right okay I, d- I wasn't exactly sure what my brain was telling me about that. When you approach a cliff that's, and then even mountaintops, that's an opportunity to be able to go out and see more than you can actually, like your brain can yeah. actually interpret or put together. It's almost like that idea of looking out to the, to the star that you could see them, but you really can't. Yeah. Like taking it, in the whole picture. I'm out the box. So you're out of that, those constraints. This is exciting me. This is kind of why I write in the loose way that I write, because I want people to be able to have a dynamic understanding of the lyrics. It'll hit them differently according to what they're going through and and, and according to where they are in their maturation process or in their understanding of themselves as a person or of me as an artist and what that means for them. So there's no kind of wrong interpretation. The point is that it's supposed to be rich for interpretation. I'm curious, what is your favorite part of this song? I like the uh, the Phoenix line. Mm. That line, I like it a lot because that's sort of like the Rorschach test like uh, for a listener. Like, cause I, I make music. You know, just the stuff I studied is kind of like deep and, you know, um, it's involved. Like, I have a degree in history and I kind of kept going after that sort of thing. But I'm not an academic in a, a traditional sense. I'm not in a grad school program, so it's maybe hard for people to gauge like my level of understanding or or whatever of these mm-hmm. topics. But that line, it really, with the least amount of words, points to this idea of a cyclical past, of like this Indian idea of, of, of Kalpas, of, of great years, of these un- incomprehensible amounts of time that I've passed and that have the mythical past, the stories of Odysseus and, and, and the Greek and Roman mythical history, the idea that, hey, maybe that's not all just imagination, right? Uh, or, or if it is, it's it's a legacy of a certain kind of imagination. Mm-hmm. I came back like the Phoenix did. I'm over with Smith. There's different ways you can get it. Like that FOMO is sort of like the first one because it speaks to modern, like a temporary moods of anxiety or, or just having that discussion around anxiety. And then if you understand that the Phoenix, what it represents in like an esoteric sense, represents that rebirth. It even points to Buddhism and specific Buddhist myths and the idea of the lotus emerging out of the water. And it sort of points to all those without being preachy. That, that that's my thing. I wanna mm. I wanna point to these concepts that I think are really interesting and exciting and people should be talking about or whatever, but like maybe aren't as popular. And I wanna point to them in a way that's illusionary that, that people can then kind of pick up and say, Well, I wanna maybe figure this out for myself a little bit more. Yeah. I mean it, I don't think illusionary is a word, but I, I meant to say it as A L L 
you as, yeah yeah you know what i mean no i i i got it and actually i was i was sure that that wasn't a and that was a word <laughs> someone was looking right now it, i mean it, I, yeah hopefully for all right somebody tweet at me and tell me if that no they never do um <laughs> i do like that word though illusionary i hope it's the word yeah well, I, it's you know, gotta be i i really don't mind if it's not because as long as you understand what i'm trying to say when hey. i say it in the context that it, it, it's a word enough right i mean shakespeare did that all the time just through through words together that's that's the development of language right i want to ask this uh, the the this last question is like why did you want to pick this as your favorite song that you wanted to talk about today i, I have a lot of songs that i've written that i like i have a few songs that i love you know I might have one or two that I don't like. I won't tell people that. I, I like I like my work. I like what I do. I, but this is one of my latest releases. This sort of represents a different level in my maturation as an artist. I think I, I did well technically on this track with the delivery, with the flow, with the way I wrote the lyrics. It sort of speaks to my ambitions and my hopes in a way that has life going forward, that it can change how I look at it personally. Like I said, it, it represents where I am as a person as I'm shifting towards. I'm thinking about, I had this sort of ethic of the independent scholar, like this kind of rebel with the pen kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm thinking about applying to grad school now just because I do tend to spend most of my time reading and writing. I've, I've got the Rosetta Collections if, if someone's listening hard right now, they'll, they'll be able to make this connection. But Rosetta Collections is actually what I call my book collection, my library. Oh, um, okay. Um, so if they, they dug me up and found Rosetta Collections, Grave Diggers Found the Devil's Possessions, it's this idea of like my library of sacred literature, of like mm -hmm. wisdom literature. It relates to where I see myself going with my artistry a lot. It represents like the ambitions I have with my lyricism well. So that's why it's my favorite. There's, there's more, there's, there's that potential, that aspect of hope, of moving forward, of yeah, of excitement. Yeah. And, and it's got that that feel, that uplifting feel. It's got like these elements, like like this chant mantra kind of thing with the repeating, which is an element I'm, I'm experimenting with now. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot for me to like about it when I listen to it, when I think about it. This song also represents for me my transition back to Champagne. Mm -hmm. working with Mousepad. This was the first song that we made. Since then, we've made a bunch more songs and we've got ideas for, for a project that we're working on. So this song, is it always reminds me of, you know, of, of my journey that when I came here, when I connected with Half House and how we, we started that. And, you know, something special about the first, our first mm -hmm. track together. We've been working and we intend to do more tracks we're still doing. So it's shout out Mousepad. I'm glad I was able to, I, I got some ideas to work with some more house members. You know, me and Whip Trip Six been talking, me and Mouse still working. I don't know if Eb knows this, but I'm going to get him on the track too. I'm going to get him on the track. He's, he's crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's it. According to legend, according to legend. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening. Located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Zen... What is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? I've got two answers. Sure. I'm going to say Canopy Club is number one because they, they have the recognition and they have the frequency. They have a lot of events and a lot of opportunities for people. They need to bring back a consistent open mic, but they do have Cy the Cypher Saturday series. They have 
bigger acts coming. There's opportunity there for people to actually access fans and access the college, you know, crowd. Uh, and then there's this new venue. I'm, I'm gonna shout out the space. That's a yeah, new yeah. venue downtown. Mad love for the space. I was lucky enough to throw a show there this summer, the summer solstice show. I brought out some of my friends, including Mousepad, Solo, the poet, Solo, the Hun. Shout out Solo, Sunny Teray, mm. and it was it was just a really like you know me coming back to Champagne at this new venue, being able to bring my friends. It was a really proud moment for for myself as a as an artist and as, as a man and this is kind of a cop out answer this is going to be the third venue <laughs> I mentioned but sure. there's there's this new like art bar thing that's like you may have heard of it you may remember it as I started to describe it it's like this interactive light show club space or like gallery space that's opening in Urbana okay yeah yeah that it, looks exciting it's where the blackbird was right I, see, uh, or no maybe i'm maybe. not i'm not even sure okay. where it is i've just seen i've seen a few of the instagram pictures and i was okay. like whoa i think that's i think that's the one but it's it's like downtown urbana right yeah it's like yeah, it's yeah. like an interactive light experience kind of wow. uh, um is, is their selling point so that looks exciting but that yeah can, cool. canopy for the frequency the space for, for my heart the space in my heart for the space now yeah i hope that you can do another show because i missed that at the the space yeah we, we're gonna do another one we, we, we gotta make it i really like that show at the space because i was able to kind of come with a theme that matched my artistry and it opened my eyes to like the possibilities of how i can platform my artistry in that way the the summer solstice show i, I dropped the sun god project 2022 on the summer solstice and the summer solstice aligns with these ideas that i engage with of cyclical time of looking up and looking out of these like universal spirituality these mm -hmm. ideas that, that can cross lines of religious difference or whatever i want to kind of continue that i want to like like i don't want to just throw another show that's like zen the rapper show i, I like the idea mm -hmm. of offering a creative experience as the entry point into my style of art or the style of art that my friends present i mean the space hasn't been around a full year and so i'm kind of curious what well, one thing I, I can't wait for their food to continue, to, like their food continues to evolve. And yep. so hopefully their music, you know, me, the music at the venue continues to evolve too. And I think that's going to be really exciting. They got their fingers on a post, you know, they change their food up often. It's always good. They're always kind of trying new things with how they present their menu and different acts. Another proud kind of thing. I was the first hip hop show that was there and, and we had talks about how they they want to showcase a wider variety of music talent and champagne because there is that variety available. It's just, they're sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they talked about they had a lot of indie bands, a lot of punk rock kind of sounds. And I learned a little bit about the scene from my conversations with them. There's something that I, as if this is some big secret, that I love about Champaign-Urbana is the diversity of available musicians. The one thing that I don't like about Champaign-Urbana is the lack of diverse venues where it just feels like a bottleneck of, you know, in terms of how many venues we actually have available. Yeah. It's a bottleneck in terms of what can actually be seen live out at a venue. So I don't know. Unfortunately, that does take a very strong venue that's willing to put up with trying to host new music have a talent buyer get it get out and do those things so it's it's a risk it's not it's not a sure thing and it's it's like yeah. we were talking about the growth that takes that acceptance of talent so you have to have people willing to take losses on that road like my own mind says oh gosh i uh, just trying to put together one show is tiring enough yep. but to try to do that week after week or day yeah, after day it's a lot of work man um you know in my little instructor career <laughs> putting on show it's just a lot of work hopefully you know, anyone that's ever considered, you know, opening up a venue, do it. Just do it. That's awesome. Please. Let's dive into, you had mentioned that even before you came back to Champaign-Urbana, you started, oh, it's kind of, I, I should say off mic. And then actually within some of our correspondence, you had mentioned that you started working with Push Soul Collective mm -hmm. and Sonny Teray, episode 72, who like you were able to work 
when you were still in Virginia and yeah. and he was here, how did you begin working together? I had ideas of doing rap, of, of trying rap, starting in 2019, around the time when I was graduating, as I was having alternative ideas of how I wanted to launch my career, my life, post-grad kind of thing. When I was in Virginia, I lived with my sister for a little bit. I had a job as a cable technician, saved some money, got my own place. Now with my own place, I was 23 or so. I was reminded of these thoughts that I had, these deep anxieties of meaning and purpose. And I start, I start writing raps and I reached out to Sonny because I had Sonny as a TA and I knew he was a hip hop guy. I knew he, he made beats and I always liked his music. I, he was a lyricist. So it was kind of like his style, his way of music was like my entry point into music. That scholarly kind of activist. He's more explicitly political writing a rap as an expression of your intelligence in a way. So when I reached out to him, he sent me a beat pack and he gave me good prices on the beats. He worked with me. He was really catalytic for me to get going with the hmm. cheap beats, with the, the sounds where, you know, I didn't have to ask for it. The first beats I was like, yeah, this is it. And, I, and, and he gave me the, the feedback that I was, he did a really good job of like coaching me in those, in those early days. And we worked on a project called the Zen Tape. Once we were getting ready to put it out, in my mind, I was gonna put it on SoundCloud because this is the first step of an artist, right? You go on SoundCloud, right? You create a fan base. Eventually, you start world distribution on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or sure. whatever. This is just the idea I had. He was like, he started bringing me on to meetings with his collective called Push Soul. They were giving me feedback on my music, and I was in Virginia by myself at this point with this new kind of venture i was trying so that was invaluable too hearing other people say this is what sounds good this is what maybe could be improved this is where you're different being able to get that feedback and and that encouragement and say you are good you need to this is something you can work on and you need to work on mm -hmm. like keep going and that genuine it's just a real genuine group of guys around my age you know all doing the same thing been doing it for some time so when I dropped the project, they invited me to join, formally join the group. And I was a formal member of the group for about a year, a year, maybe two years. It's a little fuzzy now. I've since moved on my formal membership, but I still got love for everybody in the group. When you talk about artist development, man, we had weekly meetings hmm. that were three to four hours long at times, every, every Monday where we're just, we're checking in, we're giving accountability. We're talking about these topics of philosophy and spirituality and politics and you know huh. different guys have their own specific interests and we're talking about strategies like when are you gonna drop okay well you got the cover art you got this step going you know and truthfully as i said now th these are fond memories of, of my time as an artist i was sort of like an artistry school in a way it was a lot easier back then now it's i sort of struggle with that isolation having to have more self-assurance of what I'm doing and less right. feedback and more just like trust in the journey and trust mm. in where I'm at. So, you know, I miss the tightness that we used to have, but it was sort of a necessary step to, to disconnect formally. But that that was artist boot camp, man, for my first mm. couple of years. I really was molded, was fueled, was carved into an artist through that yeah. process. Even being able to offer someone maybe constructive criticism you get the opportunity to grow as well like these are the things that good why are those things that are good then you get to reevaluate how they're good in your own work i don't know yeah, yeah they, i think collaboration is just key it really to is. like growing which is funny because i'm so so much a like be a little mad scientist in in my own little world and create create sounds and and music and then not really share it with you know what i mean like be so completely insular in my own music yeah that yeah so but it, you you've got a you've got a cool entry point in a collaboration because you've got you know this mm. sort of intimate collaboration you know where we can you can get deep with artists and you can connect instead of with like a fan base which is kind of mm. alien and not really easy to try to put your head around connecting with you can mm. really connect with the artists and the art so I, I think you have somewhat of an enviable position. I feel like this kind of leads into the main question of this section, which is, you know, what makes a good music community? You know, when I started making music, I was in Virginia. I was working with 
Sonny Ture, who was the lead man of the group, it was really not like a figurehead leadership kind of organization, but he was that voice. Also worked with the members who were in Florida, New York, Chicago, California. So we did the Zoom thing. But in Virginia, I love that scene because there was a real opportunity for artists and musicians to grow outside, to get out of their basements, to perform, to fail publicly, to mm. succeed publicly. By the time I was getting ready to come back here, me and my friends were at least one open mic every week. I was always looking for new ones. I was gonna go to one out, cause I was in the 757, which is Newport News, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, that area, Hampton, that area. Mm. My thing was, okay, let's try to find some open mics in Richmond. Let's try to find some open mics in New York. Just having open mics, what it does is it, it allows you to work on your craft in public. It allows you to grow in public. It makes it less of a, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, out of, out of the basement kind of thing, literally out of your right. mom's basement. So okay. it's not just this hidden like talent that you have to try to sort of like be humble about. You, you can you can work on on how you want to navigate as like a, as an artist in public. Sure. You can work on your appearance. And then there's sort of an artistic appreciation that develops with people who come. There's a, you know, the culture around open mics. You always have people who perform and then people who just come for the show. They can start to appreciate these artists on a deeper level. And that's who can push them out to bigger audiences when they can say, hey, who are you listening to? You know, I'm listening to Zen the Rapper, man. He's got these like really cool, like, philosophical themes and I've been listening he, he's really grown as a performer like he used to do these open mics and it was always okay but I've really just been seeing how he's grown over time and I'm excited to see what he's got coming out being able to be conversive about artists and having that underground scene I, I said a whole lot of words I went a couple of different directions but ultimately my answer is having like consistent places to do open mics I think that is because that's an mm. entryway from a person who's just a who's writing poetry right who's who's journaling like how i started who's writing music to okay mm. now i can do it out loud and you have to learn that you have to be in the mic and you have to learn how you how to think about how your voice is carrying through speakers and your stage presence and working through the nervousness and this right open mic culture man there's something about open mics too that you know when you're when you're stuck with two to three songs Mm -hmm. that's it you know a lot of them is maybe one. yeah right uh like mom spaghetti you got one shot you know what i mean you really learn how to win over an audience or what doesn't go over well with an audience right like yeah. it, it's the riskiest unrisky thing mm -hmm. to do right like cause yep. in in the end an open mic it doesn't matter what you win or win or lose right. you're on the stage for a little bit and then you're then you're off so either people are sad or they're happy whatever but you get to learn to be better get that one yep. quick impression start to learn so. about what the industry is what it what it mm. means to be an mc to sure work on your public speaking and your mm. presence and all that kind of stuff there is a definite lack of good open mics you know or or just enough open mics i just, I just feel like there could be more there, there's there's comedy open mics that the canopy club does sometimes and there's a poetry open mic that the rose bowl does but like i said when i was in virginia it was like douglas library just to not forget them they do a cool open mic every fourth saturday outside when the weather's nice so it's always nice practicing yeah. performing performing outside you know you could practice for the festival kind of right. thing so there's there's some but like i said it was just I felt like I was in, in paradise in a sense of Virginia because I had my pick. And when I went on Instagram, I saw my friends were all at, you know, some were at this one, some were at that one. And I just felt like mm -hmm. we were doing the thing. We were all getting our punches in. We were all huh. on, on our on our training grounds. I want to know what your, your take on this is. Like, so what makes a bad music community? A bad music community, I think there's sort of a competitive streak and, and musicians and artists and underground, you know, we're, we're hungry. We want like the ultimate goal. If it's not to become famous, we all want to be monetized. We want to be able to at least work and our work is our our, our ultimate work, our artistry work and, and not have to do anything to supplement that. That's kind of like a common thread in the in the artist dream, right? The musician dream. So there's some competition to that to saying like, 
okay, well, I need to have this many fans, this many listeners to be able to sell them this merch, X, Y, Z. You got to get your name, your notoriety up. I think that spirit can be detrimental sometimes uh, to find a balance between healthy competition and healthy fierceness, aggressiveness, passion and what you're doing versus coming together. Uh, my homie Solo, Solo the Poet, Solo the Hun, he talks about how like we're really supposed to have our own individual paths as artists, but come together in a public sense in a very free and open way so when you see a video you see a few of the artists in town working together you don't see just videos with just that artist or you don't see clicks and posses you see like people coming together and trending towards like not even one ultimate group but one ultimate one connecting story where where people who live through these times of artist development in their city or just just changing you know, bands and, and acts that come mm. through can sort of have a common narrative, have like a so, a story, a social story that people can relate to and have some legitimacy. So a bad music scene is one where those kind of toxins, those evils kind of uh, stop the collaboration or, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to be beefing or it's about artist appreciation. It's ultimately to try to remember that, to try to remember that I think makes good for everybody to be successful. Mm. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Zen, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> my my favorite non-musical thing is can be argued that it is musical for me, but it's it's books. You know, I think back and I remember when I was working at the Boys and Girls Club right around the time when I was graduating from U of I, or I might have just graduated. And I started to look at children's literature, just the way the books are illustrated, the titles, and I would kind of flip through it. And I, I started to appreciate the, the quick messages, the way they communicated these really deep, mature messages of emotional maturity or understanding or aspects of humanity in ways that children could understand in very direct language. And I always had an idea of like, there's something more creative and there's there's more creative life to like book covers than we have given credit to. Like I have an idea mm. of like a book cover gallery or an exhibit, or as a way to decorate or 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 create something. And then I love to read. I that's when I was in college and I was deciding my major. I picked history because it gave me the opportunity to read and write. Yeah. I was already pretty much doing that, so I said that's you know if that's the task, and I can I can fit that in my mind. I can understand that. I can digest that. So in terms of reading, yeah. uh, are you are you more historical or d- is is fiction part of that that reading part or more, I mean, I'm just curious if yeah. yeah more historical. When I was young, my first favorite genres were like fantasy and, and mystery, and I yeah. read a lot of fiction, even like like mythical history, religious history, sacred sure. history. I I feel like that sort of connects to those early interests of like, imaginative yeah. literature historical fiction i always think is really interesting like there's there's a fictional should i say like storyline that mm-hmm. is happening within a historical context that doesn't vary yeah you know, so i mean philosophically when i was in school we talked about ideas of history as narrative i try to monitor myself how I, how i when i go to these different topics because i know some people are like, okay like it's 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 a, like we're maybe not connecting but i'd say in the 19th century, German historians 
we're very keen on positivism that's making history have a reputation of a science of evidence evidence tells a story you don't deviate from the evidence but over time as you go through the years in the 60s and 70s you have the countercultural revolutions in the u.s you have anti-colonial histories and you have this idea that you have this idea that history is a narrative construction mm. history is a narrative construction history is not the past in in this true purity history is just the way we remember the past the way the past gets remembered through what's available through the available documents and so there's this idea that all of history is fictionalized so that's why i do even though i haven't read much historical fiction i appreciate that genre and i will read you know as i go through life that directness attacking the criticism head on like because it kind of started as a criticism like history is not a science it's it's a narrative it's it's a reflection of bias and, and the historian's mm. wishes and urges. Sorry, I wanted to back up on when you said anti-colonialism, like erasing the idea that colonialism is bad or um, just being... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm just curious. Know, I'm, I'm curious, like, because there is... <laughs> it's, it's funny because yeah, it may be what that term means. It's not what I meant to say. I meant to say post-colonial. <gasps> post-colonial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, no, because I was like, oh, yeah. be, you know, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, right? An, an anti-colonial, but it's, it, you know, I like the the big histories, these these ideas of there's these ages, this age of exploration, you know, the scientific revolution, these epochs that we kind of travel mm-hmm. through, and I like engaging with them and kind of deconstructing them and 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 think of them right. as narrative and as bias or whatever. When you use the term, whether it's you know, it, it wasn't what you meant, the anti-colonialism, but I was just thinking about how when I first began going to school, mm-hmm. colonialism was like a good thing, Yeah, which, and now... It's like resort of hard work and kind of kind of way it was framed, sort of, and now yeah, it's like this evil tasting, well, not human sort of thing. Yeah, well, and it's it's it was always presented as if it was like, Oh, we're colonizing. It's we're making a place better. It's kind of like doing God's work. I mean, I I I feel like I could draw some heat for saying this, but I mean, I feel like the word gentrification is going to have that in 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 the future. I mean, it already has a little bit, but it will develops. It, yes, it will have it will have a certain. Um, it will have a negative i i feel like that's if it isn't already negative it's heading there but i mean i i if i'm drawing a strong parallel that's because i am but you know i i um yeah it's sort of making that shift already you know there's people who (laughs) it's funny you say gentrification this is like a real deep cut for for any of my, my family or people who are really listening out here like uh when I used to be active on Snapchat, I used to just do this thing where I would go to like a nice restaurant or coffee shop on campus. And I would say, is this gentrification? Like, is, is this good? Is this bad? Like, mm. are we supposed to be happy about this? Is this like harmful to people? So I think that, that shift is sort of happening. Mm. I, I, I can, I see the parallel. Our own language is it shifts and the way that we interpret certain words yep. um, as if that isn't part of our own confirmation bias in some ways too is, you know, either we hold on to that word as meaning something good or we accept the overall societal change that, hey, you know, this is it's just, just, just the way it is now. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book or, you know, what are, what are you really into these days? Do I have a favorite book? I have I have books that I, I remember. I have a few memorable books. I mentioned The Cave and the Light. That was mm-hmm. a book that sort of sticks out in my memory as like an idea I want to engage with and keep coming back to and keep kind of refining and bouncing its ideas with other books. There's a, another book, A Short History of the World. This is when I was naming myself Zen. Mm-hmm. I read this book, A Short History of the World, and I actually didn't like the book, ultimately. When I finished it, I, I thought it was incredibly Eurocentric, and I thought it like treated the story of exploration and colonialism as the narrative of world history in a way that it didn't taste good to me. I didn't like <laughs> it for that reason. But in this book, that's when I encountered the word Zen, the idea of Zen, Zen philosophy, reading about the, the Taoist sages, the, the, the Buddhist the the Hindu sages, 
in the context of the axial age or this age where period of like a thousand years or so where all the religions sort of got their figureheads or their their main prophets their main mm-hmm. scriptures so that book is is the little history of the world you know i didn't like it that's where i kind of the, the takeaway was i'm going to start going by zen after reading that just because mm-hmm. of my identification with that story of the sages and that, that sort of that character that right. was like became my rap character at the time hmm. just to kind of cap the, that answer off lately i've been reading more explicitly about buddhism vedanta zen taoism i'm considering going to school to study these topics as a scholar specifically it's sort of like for me especially with the way i write in my art i don't like to be too on the nose with anything so i've sort of had this resistance since i named myself zen to like i don't want to become buddhist i don't want to become a zen like specifically i want to engage with these ideas but it's like i don't want to like i go by zen i don't want to also i don't know it, it there has to be some kind of misdirection for for me to like it becoming buddhist even though I identify a lot with some ideas of Buddhism and ideas of Taoism and Zen isn't what I want, but maybe that can be how mm-hmm. I am a scholar. I can engage with these ideas because I'm clearly interested in them. I'm trying to represent them in a artful way in a way that's kind of sort of ambitious and, a, and, and new. It's sort of like that idea of getting out of the basement. I got to legitimize it, write things that people will actually be able to read and instead of filling my notebooks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Zen, thank you for being on the show and coming all the way out here and telling me about your song, According to Legend, and just the process. And I've really enjoyed chatting with you. So it's it's been a pleasure. So thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Zen the Rapper reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. South <laughs> <laughs> on the inside.